in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost, and we're here to bring you another show of counting down a top 10 list of various movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you see that uh, He-Man trailer? I did. It looked fantastic. I retweeted it immediately because um, I wasn't on the I was not on board with it initially, like another He-Man project. Uh, but then I saw the trailer and I was going crazy for it. I uh, love that Kevin Smith is involved. My friend Tim Sheridan is one of the writers. Uh, Griffin Newman, Tiffany Smith are involved. So just pretty exciting stuff. What'd you think of it? Uh, I was uh, surprised. Yeah. Um, I saw like early stills and I was like, oh, is this going to be like, um, Japanese influenced television Mm. animation? You know what I mean? Like it all kind of looks generic. A bunch of the DC straight to DVD or streaming or whatever movies have that kind of look to them. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I was like, ah, eh, maybe. And then, uh, Saw that trailer. Boy, that looks great. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting style of animation, and I think they've nailed, like, the overall vibe if you're going to do it in 2021, right? Yeah. Even the oversized muscles and all of that, I think it still 100% works uh, because of the world you're creating, the fantastical world that you're creating. And what a cast, man. Holy crap. I didn't see who's who's on the cast. Oh, yeah. You got Kevin Conroy. Up involved in this uh, as well as one of the voices, Tony Todd. Um, let me see. Uh, let me pull up who else is involved in this thing. I was blown away by how much of the cast, um, so many credits, and was part of the um, overall voiceover community. Uh, so was yeah, it I'm trying Masters to... Unlimited? Is that what it is? it is? Something like that. It's got a very specific title. I just tried to do a search and it auto filled with the original and fuck, fuck you. That's not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, shout out to everybody who's joining us while we're looking this up here is joining us live. This is one of the perks that the $10 and above patrons get every second and fourth Thursday of the month. Uh, we uh, co we go live uh, to talk about uh, our lists. You get to have the topics ahead of time. You get to hear and watch the show in real time. You get to have your uh, comments brought in to the chat. Uh, all of that is available to you. If you go to patreon.com slash the top 10, go in the number 10 there, go and join there at the $10 and above tier. These are one of the perks you get in lieu of us being unable to come to your town. This is kind of how we're doing it. Uh, yeah, you got Diedrich Bader. Uh, oh, yeah, my friend Susan Eisenberg over there from William Morris. She's playing the Sorcerer. Sarah Michelle Geller's in this. Mark Hamill is playing Skeletor. Lena Hetty, Phil Lamar, Justin Long. Uh, of course, he's going to put Jason Mewis in there. Uh, Kevin Michael Richardson. Henry Rollins up in this thing. Uh, Alicia Silverstone. Uh, Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn. Chris Summer and Steven Root. So pretty cool stuff overall, yeah. I would say. Yeah. That is a diverse cast. And then you get to Steven Root as a nice little cap on the end. 
Yeah. Yeah. Great character actor that is Stephen Root for sure. Yeah. Creates sometimes an entire character based upon a voice. Yeah. Uh, think, oh, brother, where art thou? I mean, that, that's a mighty fine singing and a dancing. I love that. He's one of my favorite parts of that movie. And there's so many oh, yeah. amazing parts in that movie. Yeah. Uh, um, also in Office Space and a million other yeah, things. The guy, A so million great. other things. Yeah. News radio. What have Just you. a chameleon. Yeah. One of the best yeah. parts on news radio. Uh, just as that boss, the owner that comes in, comes strolling through. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not many cares in the world. Nope. Uh, everybody else is doing all the work below him. <laughs> uh, I'd love to be that boss someday. Uh, but yeah, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Uh, and, you know, Kevin Smith producing it, uh, I guess, gives it that little extra oomph for the geek world and what have you. And so it's it looks cool. Uh, I think it looks fine. Did you see your bri- uh, your boy Ryan Reynolds' new uh, trailer for Free Guy? No, I haven't. I haven't watched that yet. Okay, okay. But I'm assuming you saw Loki. Oh yeah. So I got to. They sent me the first two episodes. So I got to watch the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly the first episode, stellar. Uh, the second episode is just as good. I don't want to give anything away in the second episode. But yeah, the first episode was was fantastic. Did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah, I mean the spoilers. For has everybody in the chat seen it? Let's just start yeah. there, and okay. then we can the audio spoilers. They can uh, we can put a timeline on this. What is it? Sure. Five fifteen ish now. Yeah. So something along those lines, and then we'll figure it out. Has anybody in the chat said anything? All right, Dale, in love with movies. Mason, Dan, and I have you guys seen the Loki? Okay, Mason says he'll see. He's seen it. Okay. Drew ends. He says he'll mute himself. So anybody else? Yeah, Dan Nye says he saw it. So we're waiting on uh, In Love With Movies and uh, Dale Varley to let us know if they've seen the first episode of Loki. Have you seen the first episode of Loki? Let us know here in the chat before we go forward. Um, uh, yeah, a, don't want to ruin it for them. Yeah. And then uh, if Drew hasn't seen it, then maybe, you know, mm. I don't, do we need to make a hand signal? So Drew, if you've got us muted... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see me make a W, buddy. It's a win. You can come back in. James Petty says he's seen it. Josh Sachs says he's, it's on the watch list for tonight. Yeah. So if uh, if you guys uh, want, so and, and Dan says that he is going to let people know when we're done talking about it, so they can mute the show for now and okay. then come back in. So let's. Uh, so this is the final warning. We're gonna talk a little spoilers here about uh, episode one of Loki. If you haven't seen it, mute it, and then uh, Dan and I will let you know in the chat when we're done talking about it. All right, Dan. Let's well, do it. Hand signal, and then we're sure. a dub. Yeah, one either of us throws up the W. When you can come back in, yeah, and that's the the next bumper sticker we have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. I I flat out loved it. Yep. It was they set up an entirely new world. This is you know I like the the fantasy aspect of it. Mm. And, uh, who are these three that get to determine time and, and fate and all that jazz? Yeah. Uh and him coming to terms with why he's there. Yeah. It was a beautiful because afterwards we finished it and I had to tell Catherine was like, well technically Loki hasn't experienced anything that ever happened after the first Avengers movie at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. So all of this is like you know he can change the outcome of who he is or or can he? Right. So that's the thing at the end of the day. By the time the movie with the show was over, the first episode, in my mind, I was just thinking to myself, I got two sneaking feelings. One, um, as we were doing our analysis, because we did our Geek Buddy spoiler review for it last night, 
in my as we were talking about it and kind of working out what happened near the end it occurred to me as we were talking about it like that they've only shown the negative things that loki has done on that tape they haven't shown him working together with thor to stop the dark elves in thor dark world they don't see him they don't show him uh doing all the things he does in ragnarok to try to save the day at fighting hera all of that, and they don't show him trying to necessarily stop Thanos. They just show him getting his neck cracked, or you hear him getting his neck snapped. So it feels to me a little bit like they're manipulating Loki, the TVA is, and Owen Wilson and Mobius is a little bit to kind of get him to do their bidding to go catch this other uh, uh, pseudo-Loki. And then in the end, I think Loki's going to turn on them and realize what's happening. That's what I think. Um, but also, but that could be completely wrong, because Owen Wilson is doing a fantastic job as Mobius, and he could genuinely be like thinking of uh, trying to get Loki to get, in essence, not redeemed, but maybe um, become useful in some way. Uh, it, even though he can't go back to his timeline from before, you know. Um, yeah, very, uh, very true. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm open to so many different possibilities. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. They just set up a thing of beauty. From the jump, you're like, all right, you got me. Mm-hmm. I am 100%. But I kind of knew it. it. This also could be when I saw the initial trailers for these first three. This is yeah. this was the one I was excited about. So that oh, could yeah. be influencing, but I think they really paid off. I even love the interstitial little um, expository yeah. video that they have mm-hmm. to do. Beautiful yeah. animation choice. Yes. Said it in this like 1950s. Dr. Seuss was working, working in advertising kind of age of Americana. Yeah. Uh, it's just a uh, every every choice. Mm-hmm. Wilson is fantastic. Yes. Um. But yeah, I love the uh, the female patroller, the head of security, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah, B fifteen. B fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, and Google and Batha Ra. I'm always. Uh, it's always fun to see her and seeing her as the judge. And of course, yeah. that character uh, has a lot of connections to Kang the Conqueror, and the rumor is Kang the Conqueror is coming in uh, down the road in the MCU with Jonathan Majors playing him. So it's good to see that kind of groundwork being laid as well. But the whole feeling, the whole vibe of the TVA, I thought it was brilliant, you know, absolutely yeah. brilliant, the way they did it and uh, showcased what they had there, the look of it. And you're right, it's like the post, it's, it's, it's essentially, what do they call that, modern, postmodern deco or whatever it is, it's got that kind of vibe to it. Like uh, there's yeah. that... There's that uh, store out there on what is it? Is it um, fuck? I remember. I forget the streets now. Oh, on yeah. Highland, I guess. Like Highland, just below Fairfax. There's that kind of like outdoor store that has all these unique uh, things that you can go in there and buy. And oh, it looks the like- prop former prop place it was on yes, the right hand yes. side. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They just but- closed like two years ago. Yeah, right. It used to be a place you drive by and you see the most unusual shit. And oh, yeah. you, could, you could buy that stuff if you wanted to. The and, weirdest stuff. Yeah. Was left yeah. over. Big signs or uh, fantastical elements that were pieces of sets. Like you yes. just drive past and there'd be a big toadstool mushroom. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's 12 feet tall and it's yeah. probably like eight feet around at the base or something. Just something ridiculously huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I went in there one it. time. Yeah, yeah. Just to just to see it, just like what is it? okay. I mean, they put the bigger piece show pieces out mm-hmm, on the street, right? Uh, but yeah, that place was uh, strange. It's yeah, yeah. The, the, it's got a Mad Men ish vibe yeah. to it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That works really well. I just, the, uh, the little reel to reel machine mm-hmm. was like an early seventies kind of invention. Yeah. Or at least the viewfinder that you're seeing in the TV screen and file uh, and all of that. Yeah. Um, do you know yeah, what it said on the tape? What do you mean? No. Uh, what did it say? That's two inches. No, no, I don't know. I Oh, okay. Where All I saw was end of file, but I didn't see what was uh, flipping around, flapping around there. No, it was something that's like a, as the last of the reel was going through, there was a piece of white and something oh. was written on it. And then it, when it pulled off, boom, that's when you got the end of file and they just immediately cut to. Interesting. So okay. I don't know what was written. I, I was like, oh, that's got to be a fun little <laughs> spoiler type thing. I need to go look that up because somebody else did that work for me. And thank God, you know, you exist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm curious too, but I, I don't know that I'm going to take the time to slow it down frame by frame. Yeah. And watch Whoa. transcribe that out. That looks like an S. <laughs> All right. That means. <laughs> yeah. Is that an N and M? Is that part of a V? I'm not sure, but hold on. It makes the most sense. And you piece it together. It's like initially it looks like the Zodiac code, but you fill in <laughs> little things here and there. You get it. Yeah. What if it is like a Zodiac type code? And then some other person that knows way too much about this. And I'm not denigrating you. I'm just saying, it's like, I don't know where you've even found that information. Yeah. Uh, puts it together. Yeah. Puts it all together for you. <laughs> Probably will end up being like Zodiac too. It's two high school teachers that were bored <laughs> and did it over breakfast. What's the uh, big deal? What's the big deal? Yeah, it's, it's what they like to do is solve cryptographic puzzles together. Hey, look, I'm glad they found something. That's awesome. Two people, they yeah. share a love for something specific like that. But uh, yeah, I didn't know if you knew. So no, I didn't see it. We, we caught a bunch of other Easter eggs uh, on the review that you know because also it's also good. Like you said, there are people who do those Easter eggs like overnight. Den of Geek, Screen Rant, they do a great job mostly of finding the Easter eggs. And uh, so I usually kind of go to them to see if I have any questions about the stuff they covered and bring it up on the review. But I didn't even look at that. Uh, oh, that one I didn't see anywhere in the research. So it could be a new one. Yeah, no maybe it's nothing. About. Man, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Although they just took the time to put it into the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Marvel doesn't do that light, you know, lightly. So no, no, of course not. But I dug the conversations too. This idea of predestination versus free will. Mm-hmm. This idea of like you know what you do once you find out how you actually die. Once you find out what are the steps that you take, because everyone's got like mistakes in life. Everyone's got stuff that leads to something that you have no idea what decision at a certain moment is going to lead to. So I mean, all of us could have that kind of moment looking through our lives and whatever. I'm sure, not, maybe not any of them that leads to the death of our mobs, but certainly there's a bunch of people, a bunch of us who have like, you know, who, who knows if you go through your life, you look at the decision, you didn't think twice about it and what it could lead to down the road. So there's a yeah, lot of like, piling on. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of that with, with Loki, but I dug the time stuff as well. I dug him messing with the mess. Yeah. With having to flip back and, and like stopping yeah. the frustration of that. Yeah. And he was doing it to the woman. Yeah. Stop yeah. it. Stop. And just go. <laughs> um, but also the, the the infinity stones being nothing to them like that was that was a gutsy fucking decision man because we spent 23 movies monitoring this and 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 being on top of it and finding out what was going to happen and then they just tossed the stones into a fucking drawer and he's like oh yeah everybody has these uh, we use them as paperweights man it was a gutsy decision to to do that uh, uh for that show so yeah 
just shows you we're going on a whole nother level now of the MCU for sure. Well, when they showed the, the timelines all splitting off and be like, okay, mm-hmm. well, there's the next phase. Mm-hmm. They just show them one picture that is the next phase. Everything's going to splinter off, and they have to do another big group meetup to fix yeah, all these timelines or something. Yeah, yeah. It's the only you got to figure out a way for all of them to come together. God, mm-hmm. my allergies are killing me today. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, you get some water or anything? Or are you good? No, no, no. It's a. It's mostly like my nose is itching, and I don't want okay. to itch it because that doesn't solve the problem. It just itches. Just exacerbates. So you just got to stop thinking about it, and then it eventually goes away. <laughs> okay. uh, it's not working though. All right. Um, anything more you want to touch on with the with the show? No, that's it's probably long enough. We got almost yeah. like ten minutes or something. So it's a, it's you, good. You want to flash it? Yep. There we go. We're All right, Dan. Let him back in. Uh, we're done spoiling things for anybody. Uh, so uh, thank you all uh, for being patient with that. Um, so Matt, we are doing uh, American foot top ten American football movies today. Uh, how, we came to this decision because the, there's a new movie coming out. I think it's um, who is it? Is it Robert Duvall? What is, I forget who it is that's in this thing because it's a uh, no. I think I it's know. the is this the one with the uh, Luke Wilson? Yeah, that's it, Luke Wilson. It is Robert Duvall, Martin Sheen, called Twelve Mighty Orphans. Haunted by his mysterious past, a devoted high school football coach leads a scrawny team of orphans to the state championship during the Great Depression and inspires a broken nation along the way. Um, yeah, so that's, that's inspired us. But, but Matt, what do you think makes a good football movie, man? What, what, is, what is essential when you're looking at football movies? What makes some successful, some not so successful? What do you think the key ingredients are, man? Um. I mean, it's a great question. I feel mm. like, um, don't you think we'll get into that as we discuss the movies themselves? Why sure. this one ended up on your list? Whatnot? Okay, sure. It could come up as we talk about it, for sure. Because uh, I have a little bit of motivation within that, uh, how I chose my list. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Sounds good. All right. Well, there's a, I mean, there's a decent number to choose from. Okay. Yeah, there was. There was a lot, actually. Um, and some that I just uh, couldn't talk myself into putting on the list because I don't find myself going back to them that much. But some that I also, but a couple I put on the list because there's a there's a reason they have a certain special place uh, for me overall in my heart. So put it on the list, you know. And others, of course, because I think they're fantastic movies. So it's American football movie. So as long as American football is in the movie, uh, at least for me, I considered it. Uh, yes. as a possible qualification on, on my list. Yeah. But uh, I did the same thing. And each one is like, oh, it, some are more obvious than others, but this one is just like, yes, but this was a motivating, a driving factor in the story as a whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you took out football, then it wouldn't even merit, but it wouldn't be near as good. Yeah. Unless you right. could figure out another motivation. There's one particular I'm thinking of, but anyway, okay. uh, yeah, so it, um, it makes for a diverse list. There are a few where I'm just like, you know what? I mean, am I ever going to watch that again? Right. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, there's a sure. bunch of those within any kind of sports genre. There's mm-hmm. yeah, a few that are just disposable to me yeah. at least. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So anyway, um, well, once we set a topic, which we did for, was it 12 Mighty Orphans? Yeah, for 12 Mighty Orphans. Yeah. God, that is a brutal title. <laughs> that's terrible 12 mighty orphans 
That's it's terrible. Terrible. It's terrible. You couldn't think of anything else? Have you seen the uh, the comedian from D.C. that does at Barkley? And they brought him on TNT last night, I believe. And he did really? Barkley asking Barkley questions. Oh, shit. No, I've never seen that one. He's, he, does a, he does a mean Charles Barkley. I've seen Caliendo, but I think his his he's not as strong. So there's a, is a, it's a you said it's a DC it, comic. It, he's on sports radio there. Oh, okay, okay. And that's I guess how they found him. Yeah, but yeah, I did Charles to Charles, and he doesn't mean Charles. <laughs> um, but the one All they right. brought they where they showed Charles the clip, I think, was an even better Charles because. There might have been a slight nerves. Oh, I'm doing Charles for the first time to Charles. Right. <laughs> a relatively unknown guy outside of D.C., perhaps that area. Uh, but, yeah, it's good. Go all check right. it out. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, so that's how we put all this. Uh, that's how we're uh, putting our uh, how we usually put our list together. So, um, yeah, I'm ready to jump into this. What about you? Yeah, I'm ready to uh, begin, shall okay. we? So I'll start yeah. with my 10. And uh, Silver Linings Playbook is my choice. Well, that's a uh, punt. That's a punt okay. for me. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. What's your uh, um, nine? My nine is probably not going to be on your list, but it's at nine, which okay. is the program. Oh, go ahead, man. Yeah, James Codd. I remember this movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, Omar Epps. Yes. The one guy that was Brad Pitt's brother in A River Runs Through It. Uh, who is in a million? He's been in. Oh, a Craig Sheffer. Yes, Craig. There you Sheffer. go, Sheffer. Oh, right. Yeah. Never would have been able to pull that. As soon as you say, it, be like, "Yep, that's totally yeah. him." Yeah. Uh, let's see who else was in this off the top of my head. I think Halle Berry's in it. Halle Berry is in it. Yeah. Um, um I think that big dude who's who was that big dude with the blonde hair who was in a number of things around that time. He was I'm, like, I'm sure Hudson Hawk and shit. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, we don't thing. need to talk about Hudson Hawk. That's fine. How dare you? How dare you? I know. I know. Your T-shirt underneath that T-shirt is a yeah, Hudson Hawk shirt. It is a Hudson Hawk shirt. <laughs> um, yeah, Christy Swanson's in this thing. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams is in this thing. Wow, that's an early Joey ah, Lauren Adams. Yeah, I even think about it. I, in this. I was playing football at the time, so the lead up to this, when they, me and my friends were all excited to go see it, and it was. Yeah. The kids laying down in traffic. Oh, yeah. There were, there were stories of people doing that. And I think one kid got killed doing it. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was huge. Is is the movie good? I don't know. But it holds a soft spot in my heart. Yeah. Because I just remember uh, me and all my friends in high school being excited to see it and going and seeing it and loving it at the time. And I've seen mm-hmm. it several times since. Yeah. Um, and it's just cheesy, over the top, yet fun. Yeah. Uh, but wants to be serious, but is too ridiculous to be serious. It, mm-hmm. It's this weird, you either buy into it or you don't. Yeah. Um, it's basically, it, it, if blue chips, if you subtract all the humor, that's blue chips. <laughs> that's basically, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. But, you know, this sure. was at a time when college football was like massive, man. Because this is the early 90s, like 93 is the release date. So, that is early nineties. College football is like huge in the nineties. And so now it was time to kind of make these movies about what it's like to be playing yeah. under the pressure of college football. We were starting to hear about, you know, players taking money. It was like, like you said, blue chips was essentially an, uh, a, a, 
a uh, kind of a result of that situation happening in the NCAA on the basketball side of things. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like that rea- the uh, uh, offshoot of what happens on the football side of things. And, you know, who's a better college coach than James Conn? That's just the like, perfect college football coach, for God's well, sake. So, yeah. It's clearly uh, based upon a little Miami and a little Florida State. <laughs> well, whoa. You tell me James Conn isn't Bobby Bowden? I, I think he's uh he's Bobby maybe. fucking Bowden. Maybe, he is. maybe, maybe. He's not as southern as Bobby, but That's he's right. Bobby fucking Bowden. All he right. is hundred percent. So they just took all everything we associate with Miami Bobo. and made Bobby Bowden the coach. All right. My, they, maybe my right. mind. Cause like college football was huge before, but now we had systematic uh national televised games on Saturdays yeah. Yeah. and that was probably right around the time that Notre Dame got their own solo deal with yeah. NBC. Right. Uh, it was just, this was becoming really big business and here's the underbelly of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, can't put the 30 for 30, the U on here. So this is as close as I can get. <laughs> I mean, there's almost enough to do a 30 for 30 top 10 of football movies. Oh yeah, you could. Football documentaries. You could. Oh yeah. It's close. If, if we could go into the documentaries, I'd be down with that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can even say that the look of them has a little of the Florida State in terms of the color scheme, right? A little uh-huh. bit of Florida State. I get your it's, point. I get your point, though. It is. Yeah. And my guess is, look, once is, uh, Florida is a small town. Yeah, yeah. The speak football asking, yeah. world. Yeah. So once, well, I'm just saying all of them. If you look at the, yeah. the collective football, college football landscape within Florida, there's yeah. so many that are actually pretty good programs in one state. Yeah. which is kind of a rarity. Um, so it's point. a small town. So once it, once Florida and Florida State here that Miami's given money, well, they're going to start giving money because they right. run in the same networks and they're chasing the same players. Right. Miami was perhaps just more successful at it at that time or had a larger bankroll. <laughs> well, it's the same guy who did Major League too, David S. Ward, the same director. Mm. So did he, I did I, not know that. Yeah, he had a little bit of a mini run because he also did King Ralph, which I did not know. Uh, Boy, I and- haven't seen that since DHS. <laughs> he did Major League Two, and then uh, Down Periscope was his last movie. The uh, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer Navy one. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate pun is he definitely went down with the ship on that. No. One, that movie, that movie is not good. No, in no. the slightest. Man, he wrote The Sting, dude, in 1973. Holy shit. Wow. This guy had been around, I guess, for a bit. Uh, maybe hit the nadir of what he could do. It's like, that's it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Interesting film, the program. I remember. And they cut, apparently, they cut that scene out in subsequent uh, DVD and kids. Blu-rays because yeah. kids were imitating that stuff. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. What's the uh, that was your number I, nine or eight? Which are eight? That was eight? my nine. My okay. eight is school ties. All right. All you man, go ahead. This is the one we're saying. So if you took the football out, if he's just a kid like there on an education scholarship or something mm-hmm. or a hardship, they'd know it coming in. So it changes the entire complexity of it. So you need oh, yeah. football come in because he gets the adulation of his peers and then the attention of the one girl that Matt Damon is fawning over, and that yeah. really adds to. The evilness of the turn on him, yeah, on yeah. Brendan Fraser. Um, so without the football, it utterly changes mm-hmm. the dynamic of how we get 
to the overall arc and it's nowhere near successful. You have to find something equivalent to that. And I can't think of another sport that would have that remote pull or within this kind of atmosphere, this where he's a Jewish guy that goes to just the height of what we assume is new England wasp niche mm-hmm. or wasp niche. Uh, and it, you know, the, the culture clash and the difference of worlds and he's the, we get introduced to him and he's beaten up. Yeah. He's in a fist fight type of thing. He's from the rough and tumble blue collar area, but this kid can play. This yeah. kid can play. Yep. And uh, yeah. So if you took out the football, then I, I just think it's too much a part of what motivates everybody to like the character mm-hmm. on top of, he seems like a good person. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it makes me, it's a great movie. It doesn't go higher because the football is only used in small chunks. Yeah. But I think once again, if you took it out, it's, it would no, it's, it, so. it's a central part of it because it's another element of how these guys are jealous of this guy. And that's how this guy kind of gets into the situation because of his abilities mm-hmm. um, on the field, you know, and of course, and so these are trust fund babies. He's not a trust fund baby and he's got to deal with the ramifications of being into walking into that world and what that world can, how that world can treat you. And, you know, it's great. It's that rarity. We get to see Matt Damon as a full on villain. And and his mm-hmm. body type really worked for it at the time because he's still young, so he's scrawny and he's just kind of smarmy little, you know, villain here, rich kid villain. And Affleck's in this thing as well. And I think Cole Hauser is in this thing. All the Goodwill hunting guys are in this thing. Is that right on that? Am I right on that? Um let's see. There's see uh that. Mike oh, oh son of a gun. The guy that's in Dazed and Confused, but he originated one of the parts on Rent. Uh, it starts with an R, the last name. Oh, he's Anthony on, Rapp? Star Trek Discovery? Anthony, yeah, Anthony Rapp, Rapp he's in this? Okay. He's okay. in that. Okay. Um, yeah, Chris O'Donnell. That's right, Chris O'Donnell's Chris in Chris O'Donnell, show. yeah, he I plays, yeah, the the one seemingly decent right. New Englander. Right. Yeah, I was right. Cole Hauser is in this thing. Cole That's Hauser, right. there you go. Yeah. So all the fucking uh, Goodwill hunting people are in this thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember this film. I remember it being like, it's almost like a little bit of like the outsiders, like all these people in okay. this movie went, most of those people in this movie went off and had actual careers. You know, it was a, a great assembling of young talent that kind yep. of went off from here and did things uh, with their careers overall. Yeah. Anthony Rapp still, like you said, he's still working over there on, on Star Trek Discovery. Chris O'Donnell was doing what NCIS or whatever with LL Cool J. Damon, yeah, obviously. Yeah, Frazier's still working. Cole Hauser's still working. Obviously, Affleck. Um, yeah, Amy Locaine is the girl, but I don't remember what else she's been in. Also, she's still <laughs> working. Looks like she's still I think she was one of those. Uh, she ended up in a lot of movies yeah. in that era. Yeah. And then you didn't see her for a while. And she had a run on that. my memory. As well, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. That's there basically going to the witness protection as far as these eyes are concerned. <laughs> Congratulations. These eyes. These eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see. I've never seen the light. Um yeah, I've never yeah. I've never watched a single episode of that or 90210. Dude, one of the worst jobs I had when I was doing that DVD testing stuff for like four or five years, man. We had to watch multiple seasons of Melrose Place to check for any video hits, any subtitle issues, any audio issues, man. It was the worst, dude. The worst. The worst. Oh, yeah, so, I, I don't. I mean, yeah, you know, it obviously had a run and had fan base. I just never in a million years. Anytime you yeah. see the trailing, be like, who watches that? 
does well, you know that somebody's watching. Oh, oh totally. man, oh man. What yeah, is yeah. the appeal of the just ridiculous drama? Yeah. People love anyway. that shit, man. Yeah, but it, I, I can watch, you know, stuff go boom on, mm-hmm. you know, going out to the theater, even though knowing damn well it's not going to have any more depth than that. And if you don't understand that, you look at me and like nothing happens. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But did you see how that awesome that 50 foot robot looked when it fought the <laughs> lizard? The kaiju thing? I mean, that part was cool. That wasn't cool to you? Oh, yeah. Well, then the rest <laughs> of the movie sucks. And you um, trouble, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, yeah. So, good, yeah, good little film. Definitely good film. Uh, uh, who directed this thing? Robert Mandel. Dick Wolf did the story, of course, turned it into a Law and Order episode. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah. Robert Mandel didn't do much, just directed a bunch of TV shows. He did the TV movie for Hysteria, the Def Leppard story in 2001. Yeah. I might have uh, seen that. Uh, oh shit! He directed the substitute. Remember the substitute with Tom Berenger? Yes. <laughs> oh shit! He directed that. Nice. If I'm going to watch that, I'd rather watch The Principal. <laughs> yes, with Jim Belushi and Louis Gossett Jr. It's surprisingly good. Yes, yeah, it exactly. is. And then when I want bad action movie of Stand by Me, I am yeah. going to go with The Principal. Absolutely. Uh, wow. He also did FX way back in '86 with Brian Brown. Yeah, I Brian like Tennant. FX. FX is good. Good 80s. I think I have a stronger uh, pull to FX2. Oh, the sequel, really? Okay. It's the uh, first one that I saw. I didn't know there was an FX before I saw FX2. Because you're like, you watch the sequel and you're like, hmm, all right, sure. I, well, I liked it and I was like, oh, that was, I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So then who knows? A short time later. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah there's an original FX, even though it says FX2 for some reason. It, I didn't know or, or, you know, understood was uh, special effects is what it was yeah. based on because that's what it opens with. But me, I, I thought it was maybe a term. I don't know. Yeah, I did the same thing with with the Mad Max. I saw Road Warrior before I ever saw the original Mad Max. And I, so okay. I, I watched that religiously. And then someone was like, hey, man, you know, there's the first movie. I'm like, what? So I went back and rented that at the video store and watched it. I didn't that. see. Yeah, I didn't see Mad Max until well after I'd seen the uh, two and three. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. So you saw Rotor and Thunderdome, then swung back to the original, but years later. I believe I saw Thunderdome first. <laughs> oh, wow. And All then right. saw Road Warrior, and those were the only two that existed for me, and I loved yeah. both. Yeah. Uh, and then found out, oh, it's been, or I finally saw much later, Yeah, rather, that there was a Mad Max, or watch Mad Max. Um, I was watching Thunderdome but- the other night. It's on HBO Max. I watched about an hour and mm-hmm. 15 minutes of it. Still fucking holds up. I still like it. It's still good. It's not, it's not road yeah. work, but it's still it's, good. I think at this point, it's like it, it, it goes off the rails a couple times. Yes. The whole kids stuff like really drags it down, in my opinion. Yeah. I like it because I kind of grew up watching it. Sure. But when it brings them back into the action at the end, but yeah, Border Town, I love all of Border Town. Oh, Border Town's fucking great. Yeah. Over the top. But the domed structure they got to fight in that is such a stupid, great contrivance. I forgot how much that dude is in the movie, the host of Thunderdome. I forgot how much he's in. The, okay, in the movie. Oh, he's having all There's these no like, way. speeches and shit. It's great. I sincerely doubt they would do Master Blaster now. Uh, yeah, probably not. Right, right. Yeah, but post-apocalyptic, though. I mean, shit. Who knows? Perhaps, Who but knows? It, it, such a great character and that way anyway yeah 
So that was my number eight. What do you got to tell me? <laughs> Master Blaster. Uh, my number 10 is uh, Necessary Roughness. Oh, that's a point. Is it really? All right, yeah. cool. Didn't know I made your list. Uh, then my number nine is The Water Boy. A was a tough cut. Oh, wow. Shocking. Shocking. All right. There it is. Yeah, I, I like this movie. It's what, look, look, I am not. I'll say this for the record. I'm not the biggest Adam Sandler fan. I do yeah. like his some of his movies, like Big Daddy and uh, Wedding Singer. More, a little more of the higher end type approach to his comedy. I'm a fan of, and obviously Punch Drunk Love and what have you. But like this one, I like. I'm not even a Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. Like, oh, I gotta watch it all the time, guy. That's not me. I know there are people like that out there, so I apologize ahead of time. But Waterboy is one that when it's on, I will absolutely stop and watch it because I think it's fucking funny i love that kathy bates is in it as mom henry winkler is the coach um and all the weird shit he does and and sees in his head uh mm-hmm. first by oaks in this thing too and big show is in here as captain insano um so all of that stuff i think i enjoy a lot in the water boy and his accent uh and it's almost like forrest gump with a wire uh, uh a couple of wires crossed uh or disconnected okay. Because how Forrest is like so good at football because he can just run and all that shit. Uh, Waterboy, he is so good at football, but because he's got like a super loose, he can dial in and just play the most vicious type of football ever. So I enjoy all that. Plus, it has the shades of LSU and the shades of SEC yeah. football oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. Down south. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's. I, I think I would any other movie on my list. I think I would watch over Waterboy. Mm, okay. Sandler has so many; like it's part of the Sandler canon to me. I gotcha. So it doesn't um, separate itself for you. Not, not from that because there's four or five others of his that I really do genuinely enjoy. I don't think mm-hmm. you can watch Billy Madison. I I can't watch Billy Madison anymore. Oh God, yeah. I loved it at the time, but I think. Yeah. Now, whereas Happy Gilmore still has a lot of charm. It does. It, I'm not going to deny that. It has charm. Shooter McGavin, Carl Weathers. Yeah, Carl Weathers know, is great. All of that. Yeah, yeah. Julie um, Bowen, young Julie Bowen. All mm-hmm. of it really works. I, I don't disagree with you there. But, uh, but yeah. But uh, Billy Madison. It's I, a great. I, it did probably end up as like 11 or 12 on my overall list. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. But I mean, it's at nine on yours, so it's not. Yeah, it's not too far. Too far off. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, all right, so then my number eight is uh, Invincible. Um, the oh, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, where are your seven, dude? Uh, my uh, seven is uh, Concussion. Uh, that's a punt. That's a punt on my end. Okay. All right, what's all your right. six? Six is Invincible. So oh, okay. All right, stop. We're close to. Yeah. Uh. Go ahead, man. Yeah, it's, a great, it's an interesting, uh, great, you know, uh, a story where Mark Wahlberg plays this real life guy who the Eagles had an open tryout and he ends up making the team, which is yep. crazy, and then goes on to be part of this run from the Eagles and Dick Vermeil coming in and kind of changing the fortunes of that town for, or that team rather, for a very short window, but still was part of this huge kind of celebrated shift in Philadelphia Eagle football for a short while. Uh, right. And something they should romanticize. And he embodied just the everyday Joe that can to say to themselves, you know, I I can play as good as these bums. <laughs> and one of them actually made it too and he yeah. did it. Uh, so I, I think that for the uniqueness of the story, 
And at that point, too, it was post uh, St. Louis Rams. So I had an understanding of Dick Vermeil. I knew who right. he was. Gotcha. Whereas yeah. before, you know, this, if it had this come out before that run, I don't know that I would have had as much resonance with the Greg Kinnear character. Uh, right. And I believe that's who plays Dick Vermeil, isn't it? Yes, Greg Kinnear. Um, so it, it gave me a little bit more of a connection to it overall. And mm-hmm. it had the impact, like, you know, it's going to hit the sports movie cliches in this. Oh yeah. All of them. It, yeah. It's It's got to, there's otherwise, why are you making this? Right. Right. Um, and it's so successful at it. I think is why it lands on my list. Like I think mm-hmm. it is genuinely look, it's going to hit the cliches, but it's one of the ones where you're happy that it does because it does them well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, this is one that I only recently saw in the last few months. I kind of resisted it because I was like, ah, Wahlberg in a football movie. Yeah. You know, I wasn't sure about it, but so many people had kind of been positive about it. And I guess whatever, whatever reason I was just kind of in the mood one day and I put it on to mm-hmm. finally watch it. I was like, damn, I, I don't know why I resisted this movie. Yes. Does it have occasional cheesy moments? Of course. Sure. That's part yes. of the, Sports movie, any sports movie, you know what sports movie you're doing. It's got a part. Uh, it's going to have a little bit of that to it. But there's a really earnest um, acting job from Mark Wahlberg as this character, Vince Papali, Papale, Papali, something like that. He does a really good job bringing, like, making you connect to him and, and making you like be invested mm-hmm. in his journey. Because it's almost like the fighter. Like the fighter is another thing that he does really, really well in making you invest in this kind of underdog situation. And a guy who's kind of just kind of figuring it out as he goes along and trying not to get too overwhelmed by it. And uh, Elizabeth Banks is good in this thing. Uh, Kevin Conway is good in this thing. Um, who else is in this movie? Uh, uh, yeah, Michael Raspoli is in this thing. And so like everybody around him really works. And then I think Greg Kinnear does a fantastic job as Dick Vermeil. He looks nothing sure. like Dick Vermeil, but no. he does embody the essence of Dick Vermeil as a coach and I was a fan of those Philadelphia Eagles teams uh, in the early 80s because I was obviously was born uh, in Philly, but the Redskins weren't quite good yet. So for me, I became like an Eagles fan through the 78 to 80, 81, 82 era, and I, I cheered for them as they were getting killed by the Raiders. Uh, and then eventually, as I was more and more ingratiated into D.C. and got a little bit older, I became a skins fan that have stayed so for the rest of my life. But like, mm-hmm. I love Dick Vermeil as a coach of the Eagles. He was great. His emotions on his sleeve the whole time. He was such an unusual coach for that time in so many ways. And then when he finally won that Super Bowl with the Rams, I was really happy uh, for him overall. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a damn good movie. If you have, and it's a simple, it's like, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It doesn't try yeah. to give you these like grandiose moments it's very much rooted in in kind of the Philadelphia vibe, which is not taking anything uh, to not making anything too important or too serious. You know, very foundational and lunch pale blue collar vibe to it, which I like. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. So that was my uh, number six. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so then my number seven is uh, Friday Night Lights, the one with Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, that is a punt. Okay, this is going to be a very curious list uh, when we get there. All right, so then my number six is The Last Boy Scout. I, I couldn't do it. No, I love I love Last Boy Scout, but yeah. the football was relatively instant. Like, you could have put anything okay. in there. I applied the school ties. It's like, could you take the football out? And it has no re- – you could have made it basketball. You could have made it base- baseball, horse racing. 
runs out and kills a horse in that mm-hmm. opening scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stupid and ridiculous because he needs to win the bet. Uh, I don't know. Right. So, but go for it, dude. I love Last okay. Boy Scout. Yeah. I really enjoy this one. Tony Scott directed this one. It's one of those Bruce Willis vehicles that worked for me back in the 90s. Still works for me now yep. every once in a while. It's got that weird thing. Like, why is he doing a jig at the end of the movie? I don't know. It was a weird thing to throw in there. There's some great fucking uh, moments when he's talking to his his wife and his uh, buddy who's sleeping with his wife in that moment. And he's like, it's an oh. accident. Oh, oh, it's an accident. Would you slip and your dick fell into my wife? Come on. And so oh, there's like these great little moments here where he's a harder edge guy. And I think the football does matter because that's his connection to this guy. And he was a fan of this guy when he was a football player. So there is that kind of like a negotiation he's having, seeing one of his heroes be- go this low and then having them come together to try to capture the criminal, the whole ending is at the football stadium. So to me, it does have. You're right. You're right. It does have that part of it that is is essential to. You know, could it, could he have been a jockey? But yeah, how how believable would it be that Bruce Willis would have would be a fan of a jockey? That's a little bit of a stretch. So that, that's why I give it a little more credibility to the football side of things. Plus that opening man of him of that guy running and pulling the gun out and everything like that, like. Man, that is uh that's something that in the nineties I thought would was crazy. Nowadays, I don't know. I don't know if it could happen or not, but if people get crazy, man. So and we see in the NBA in the playoffs, people running out onto the court. Those are fans, obviously, but you never know with have players get too hopped up or players get too intense what could happen. So uh overall, but just a, a fun movie, good action movie, still holds up. I think Halle Berry's in this one, right? Is that she is? Right she plays yeah. Damon Wayans' love interest, right? Type. Uh, I believe she might be a dancer. Yes, yes, she is a dancer. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's it is. So unless you're a fan of Bruce oh, Willis, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you could recommend this to someone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's can be a, it's a bit rough at times. That's for sure. Some of the stuff that happens in the movie, but it's it's sure. like so of that specific era within mm-hmm. macho man cinema type of yes. thing. Yes, and it was appealing very to a very specific, but they were hoping relatively broad, but a very specific kind of taste yeah. when it comes to movies. Yeah. Uh, it had the chance to to make some money, but. I think it just did okay at the box office, if memory serves. Yeah, yeah, it did okay. Like like most of Tony Scott films, Tony Scott's films, they did okay at the box office. Okay to good. That's usually the Tony Scott uh, mm-hmm. area. Uh, by the way, Gandolfini is in this as an uncredited henchman way back when. Wow. In this. Um, who else did I see? Well, Eddie Griffin. I remember Eddie Griffin's in this. Uh-huh. Young Eddie Griffin's in this. Uh, who else was? Oh, Morris Chestnut is in this. That's right. And Billy Banks. I forget Billy Banks is in this nonsense. Uh, yeah, oh, and, Chestnut was in it. Yeah, and perennial um, actor in a uh, sports movie. Chelsea Ross is in this as well as the senator, Senator Baynard. Okay. He was in Hoosiers and Major League and all of that. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mason Sasser, he says, yeah, I'm a fan of when Bruce Willis still cared for sure. <laughs> It's a great way to put it. It is. True. Now, anytime I see him on a poster, I know the movie's got awful. Oh, yeah. And it's going straight to DVD. <laughs> it's yeah. going straight. Yeah. There's no way it's going straight to streaming on some service that you don't even have access to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's something for like Chinese state television. And it's like, well, we don't, they don't release that here. I don't get that. Sorry, man. I can't. I don't, I'm not getting a VPN I don't, to see that. 
I don't know how many firewalls I have to put up to get behind that uh, uh. red curtain. So, <laughs> no thanks, no thanks. Um, all right, well there we go. Uh, that there's our bottom fives for for on our lists, and uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Hear from uh, ourselves, uh, sponsoring and promoting something, and then uh, we'll be right back, uh, right after this, Matt. All right, and we're back. Matt, uh, we're going into our top fives here on this top 10 American football movies. Sir, start us off. What is it? Your number five. My five is We Are Marshall. Oh, okay. I, I just, I just, I tried with that movie. I really do try. But the cheese factor is like a huge chunk. It's off the charts. It's, it's, it's just like charts. this massive cheese chunk on the table, man. Look, Go it ahead, was going to make my list. And then when I was talking to Catherine about it, and she was like, well, we are Marshall's making your list. Like, it looked like it actually meant something to her. <laughs> you say and Catherine that, influenced your decision to put it on the list. Wow. To All put right. it at five. <laughs> it was going to make my list. But I was like, wow, okay, so if she has that kind of resonance and she could give a, a fuck all about sports movies right, and sports right. in general. I mean, she cares because I care, and right. God bless her. I love her for it. She'll ask questions and, oh, you know, so blah, 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 you know, just whatever. Yeah. But she doesn't really give a shit, and she wouldn't pay attention unless I did. Right. Uh, and the fact that she was – that was the first thing, and she thought of it quickly, and she can't do that with many movies. And I was like, wow. So if it captured as much of her attention. How many other people that aren't sports fans managed to see this and be like, it was just a great movie because it's so cheese. It is yeah. so cheese at times. Um, but it's a, a heart-wrenching story. So it kind of makes sense you would make something so specifically uplifting because do you want to dwell on the depressing uh, reality of what led to – what happens in this moment? Yeah. No, you want to try and lift the spirits of the individuals that went through it, although it came out years and years later, but the family members that now try and go back and find some sort of joy in the midst of all this sorrow. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I think it honestly would have landed probably in the seven ish range somewhere okay. along those lines. Okay. So it's not like it's too far off for me. So I had no, to no. up a couple spots for, you know, for the bold ball and chain. <laughs> Never called her that, but uh, she's gonna love it. Yeah, I think so. The, the, there's, I don't know a person who doesn't like me called the old yeah, woman. the old lady. The old lady. It's my Ooh. old lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I was studying this category for the Schmodown for a recent match, and I had put this like as one of the things to study. I had no idea until we were starting to study for these sports movies categories that McGee was the director of this movie, and I'm like, what McGee? So pretty surprised to see him be yeah. a director. But then that may be the reason why I didn't like it as much as other people. Uh, he's all over the, I mean, yeah, this one's more successful for me. Whereas something like Terminator Salvation. Yeah. There's a good movie in there somewhere. Yeah. You can find it. You can edit it in there somewhere. You can find it. Sure. Or go back and reshoot and take certain story elements and follow those. Yeah. True. And instead of what they focused on, uh, that's that's usually what I do with McG and be like, ah, this, you know, you had something here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are well, Charlie's Morrison's. Angels. Charlie's Angels isn't bad, but there's not I'll a lot never of see that again. Yeah, that's fair. How many times at least Terminator Salvation, there's a chance, but Charlie's Angel, I didn't like it at the time. I thought it was fine. Right. And then they made, do they make three of those? Just two. Two. And then they rebooted it with Elizabeth Banks making her version of yeah. it, which, you know, the less said about Elizabeth Banks on my end, the better. 
Uh, just I thought it was ridiculous to say that guys don't go to see women in these types of positions like action movies. Someone posted the, her quote is that, and then they listed every badass woman yeah. like movie yeah. that we love. Yeah. I think she was just trying to find a scapegoat for the fact that she that she helmed a clunker. That's yeah, it. that's what she always does because she's got a, a okay. very. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't, does yeah. she have other examples of that? Yeah, I mean, when she called out Steven, she called out Steven Spielberg. They were they were honoring Steven Spielberg, and she got on the mic and called out. Said, "Well, it'd be good if he had a females in his movies." And it was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And they all came out and like listed all the women that have been integral parts of Steven Spielberg movies. So she just she just got these axes to grind, and for whatever reason, Hollywood still keeps giving her chances to make stuff or create stuff, and. She just uh, she's just an irritating person. It's got nothing to do with gender at all. There are plenty of irritating men in Hollywood as well. Yeah. She's just one of these irritating people, irregardless of gender, uh, for me personally. And uh, I've heard some behind the scenes stuff from some people who've worked with her uh, that uh, were not very very positive about their experiences with her and her arrogance and her entitlement and her privilege. So it's ironic that someone who's so out there to try to supposedly be all about women behind the scenes is very privileged and very uh, arrogant and what have you. And so you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So yeah, I, I just, it's not one of my favorite people in, 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 in the city or in that city uh, for sure. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. I, who knew you had strong opinions about Elizabeth Banks? <laughs> well, I did yeah. not anticipate that when I brought up the, ah, oh, she said, <laughs> uh, all right, we're moving on. Yeah, moving you know? on, moving on. Uh, it's just All not right, a film was... with McGee. Just not. A, I mean, Marshall. It just doesn't. Uh, but I get it why people like it. I do because I think McConaughey's actually damn good in the movie. Uh, you know, I, I like yeah. him in the movie. I've seen it before. Uh, all right, so then my number five is the punt from earlier, concussion man. Um, okay. I actually I remember watching this movie in Virginia when I was home for Christmas one time. I think I drove up to a theater to see it by myself and I just, and I seen some reviews that weren't that great. And I was wondering, ah, you know, I like the trailer. Uh, and then I went and sat in that theater and I fucking love the movie. Did it go far enough into vilifying the NFL? Probably not, but it went pretty yeah. far and I appreciated what it did. I liked that you got to see some of the, um, behind the scenes of how this whole thing happened, how the NFL was trying to protect itself how some of these people involved with teams knew that this shit was going on, but had their hands tied or felt like their hands were tied because their careers were on the line. Because when you go toe-to-toe with the NFL, you rarely win when you're one individual person. An owner is different than a, a, a person who's working a job for a team. It's rare. I mean, 27 women accused Dan Snyder of sexual harassment, and, and he just bought the whole team outright over the last few months. So it tells you that when you're an owner, you can go up against the NFL and they, it's really tough for them to get rid of you. But if you're a regular person working for a place, you can. Yeah. So you see that going through, but then you mm -hmm. see the, and I think Will Smith does a fantastic job in this movie, navigating this discovery, navigating the situation, figuring out what's happening here with no agenda. He is just following the science. He's following the, um, the evidence as it's being laid out. And in the meantime, he's also, you know, kind of figuring out how to, as an immigrant to buy a house, to like have a life, to build a, build himself uh, as a member of the community and being a member mm -hmm. of the community, investigating the Steelers in Pittsburgh, that can cause some problems for people who are fans 
of the team and uh, Gugu and Mbatha Raw is fantastic as well as his love interest in the movie. So I just think it's a, and Alec Baldwin is a really great cameo in the film as well. But yeah. I, I, I love, oh, not came. I guess he's a bigger part of the film than I thought, but like, I like the exploration here that they do. And it's actually a damn good movie that people don't give enough credit to in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I, I think because the overall, it ends, you know where it's going to end, too. Yeah, true. And it feels so unsatisfying. Mm. But I think that is also part of the point. Mm. Um, to show that this situation has not been resolved. Mm-hmm. So how you feel about it as you watch it, and all the things that have come out over the past mm. you know, five, five, eight years or so about CTE and how yep. it affects people long-term, it makes it harder and harder for me to watch the game. Wow. I still enjoy it, but... yeah. When guys take huge hits, that's one of the first things I think of. Yeah, man. Right. Every like, time now. And I watch fewer and fewer games every year because it's – I feel guilty taking part in something if they were not – if they were underware. Now, future generations, they will know more and more as it comes up and all the science yeah. is released. But there are some guys that just like, look, I've been in the league for nine years now, ten years. Like yeah. Tom Brady didn't know what CTE was before he got into it. Right. Good point. Uh, and it's just he, but he's on the lower end of having problems later in life. Right, 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 right. They protect yeah. quarterbacks like crazy. Yeah, 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 more and more, especially throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anybody that's been in the league long enough, or they're newly retired and they found out halfway through, and now they still need to earn mm. for their family and whatnot. But knowing every one of these hits, like the crazy story of uh, the guy who I think he's. Uh, He's got a degree from MIT or something. Mm-hmm. He's a, a mathematician. Yeah. And he works, uh, I want to say, on the O-line. Used to be for the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. His memory serves. But anyway, he was worried about how many hits he took because it could affect his later, the math work he intended on doing yeah. for the second half of his life. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, man, that's that's a real concern to have all your faculties. So this movie is a great exploration into that problem. It gives people a nice inroad into it. Yeah. That's why so many people are, I think we're seeing more and more of these younger players retiring early, man, because they see yeah. what the end result of this is. And like, well, shit, I'm going to get my millions. And if I invest this correctly and I get a good money manager, I'll be fine for the rest of my life. Like, Yeah. And reduce the chance of me having to walk with two canes yeah. plus the yeah. potential mental uh, problems and everything else. I've had 12 surgeries on my left knee. It's like, right, right. That like I just healing. saw, I just saw today, you know, your Chicago Bears signed Justin Fields to a fully guaranteed contract for four years, fully guaranteed. So, like, if he gets injured, he's set. If he finishes out four years and he decides the NFL is not for him, he's got 19 million, of course, with the, you know, taxes and all of that, at least a cool 10 to 15 million dollars that he can invest, he can uh, put in the bank and live off the uh, uh, interest or what have you, and then think about what he wants to do with mm-hmm. the rest of his life. So you're seeing these options, these people making these decisions. I mean, the Pouncy guys retired. Um, a bunch of 49ers retired early recently over the last few years as yeah. well. So it's just like, I, I think Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck being like, Fuck this. I am not going to go through yet another year of therapy just to be able to be hit again and get injured again. I'm going to take my money, roll on down the highway. I've given this game enough. And so 
I respect that actually a thousand percent. I I know it. It's tough to walk away from, especially something mm-hmm. like luck, dude. You play your yeah. cards right, and you could have a 15, 18 year career, and yeah, but it's not worth it to him. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So good for good movie. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. And uh, even if you're an NFL fan, uh, it's still worth a watch just to see. And you if you want to, yeah, you should actually. And and if you want to watch a actual documentary or documentary style type thing on this that fleshes this whole story out a little bit more and brings in the the female doctor that was also involved in this from another uh, lab, uh, you can watch the Frontline uh, on PBS. Frontline on PBS. They have a, a two-part uh, documentary that's, that's four hours total. It's engrossing mm-hmm. as hell, engrossing. Interviews with the players that were that have been affected by this, interviews with their family, and hearing some of the experiences. It will really turn you around on this issue and make you wonder why the NFL doesn't fucking do more to make sure this doesn't happen to their players. So, um, all, right. Uh, all right, what's number four, Matt, on your list? Uh, my number four is Friday Night Lights. Oh, okay, cool. Take it away, my man. Uh, it was nice to see a, a high school football film with mm-hmm. some actual stakes, like where the characters, the turmoil they're going through seemed believable as opposed to something like Varsity Blues. I don't know if yeah. that makes your list or not. No, uh, it doesn't. Okay. It doesn't make mine either. It's cheese, <laughs> but not like the good We Are Marshall cheese. No, no, no. Yeah. It's just over the top. Yeah. Yeah. We're making a CW movie. But football is the backdrop. Hey, I'm Billy Bob. I'm Billy Bob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love football. And then John Voight. John Voight is a great villain. Oh, yeah. He's always a great villain. All he has to do is show up and play John Voight. Yeah. And people are yeah. like, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> That's true. It's <laughs> fucking true. All he's got to do is show up and just do, you don't have to, no character development. Just go. <laughs> and even those that are on your uh, side are like, mm, he is a bit strong at times. <laughs> Uh, whereas Friday Night Lights, the Billy Bob, my high school coach to me was somewhat like that. Yeah. So that wow, perhaps drew me in a little bit more. He wasn't that over the top. Right, right, right. Uh, but he also did, he didn't like, I had two sets of friends and he didn't like one of my sets of friends. So he tried to get me in trouble uh, and miss time playing baseball. But to show yeah. him that he had control and if I did it during baseball, he wouldn't lose me during football. It was mm. kind of brilliant yeah, and evil. And I just quit both sports. <laughs> Shit. There you yeah, go. I was like, you I done. don't want to play for you. And that's if you're going to rule everything, man, I'm out. Mm-hmm. But he it was the first time ever. So it was uh, our high school had a string of always being in that. We were like the lowest division possible in Illinois. Right. Uh, just a tiny little but. We like won our district a bunch of different years or whatnot or whatever the fuck it was. I don't even remember. Right. But he had become so crazed with power that he ran off. Like I would say me and it was me and all my friends because it was a small school. Me and like three or four other of those guys. And that was enough to where eighth grade freshman year, we crushed our competition. I left the team and he ran off over the, uh, my, what would have been my sophomore year, a bunch of other kids. And by junior and senior, we were the worst by far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it was because I left. It was just, I was part of, he lost numbers in a small school. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so it's seeing Billy Bob and I was like, I kind of recognize that. Uh, <laughs> that seems very real to me. So it's always had more of a punch. Once again, he was not Billy Bob. Billy Bob is 
pretty brutal. Yeah. 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 But the turmoil with like Tim McGraw and that family life uh, oh, yeah. dynamic. Yeah. I love um, that. Yeah. It gave it a realness and a more grounded. Perhaps some of these kids are going through some terrible things at home and with their families, you know, former yeah. the, the pinnacle of his success in life was being a high school football star. Right. Right. And that's all he's holding on to and just kind of the shattered life that he leads. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's got a, a good balance. The, plus the football scenes themselves are pretty great. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Yeah. And, you know, Peter Berg directed this thing. who's a damn good director. And you get the um, feeling of what it's like to be a high school football fan in Texas. You know, everyone talks about how Texas is a whole other animal when it comes to high school football and the intensity rivals anything you find in college stadiums or in NFL stadiums, the kind of uh, slavish devotion they have to their teams. And then that, what that pressure is like on the family and how apexing in high school or peaking in high school can Mm -hmm. really affect the mental state of so many of these guys. And they go back and relive the time. It's, it's, it's because they could go go ahead. Well, yeah, it's what I said. It's like PTSD. Yeah, yeah, almost, almost, yeah, because for them, that was the height they ever, the best they could ever do at anything, and because they can't reach that height again and have people cheering them in the stands or whatever they're doing, they can't, like, figure out how to negotiate life without mm-hmm. saying terrible things about themselves in their head and essentially yeah. becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy of being unsuccessful in life. You know, it happens. It happens to a lot of people, man, in the sports world who can't seem to like make that transition uh, without some kind of damage to themselves emotionally. Oh, and full disclosure, the baseball coach that I quit on was yeah. the lead assistant coach of the football coach. So that's <laughs> why I was like, the other basketball coach wasn't part of that circle. Oh, okay. That's good. At least there's some place uh, for you to go. <laughs> well, I, but I didn't play in the high school basketball. Cause I was just like, you know what? I'm kind of out of sports now. Yeah. That's fine. It's a small school, so it's just like you. Uh, the The basketball coach was like the juniors' math teacher, so I hadn't really met him yet, so he didn't know. Me. By the time I met him, he's a good guy. I would have yeah. played for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was just kind of like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. This is a lot. Anyway, yeah, Lu- Lucas Black is the uh, quarterback, I think, in the film. Yeah, um, I believe you're right. Yeah, Garrett Headlands in this. Derek Luke. Yeah, Connie Britton, right? Because Connie Britton comes back in the goes TV, on to show. TV show, right? With what's his face? Oh shit, Amber Heard's in this. I forget that Amber Heard is in this. God damn. Um. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one. It's one that I, I remember walking out of uh, out of that film, going like, oh, "You know what? I like this. It's a little. It's a little honest, but I still liked it. So yeah." Um, all right, where are we off to next year? Number oh, my number four, which is correct. Uh, the punt from earlier was Silver Linings Playbook. Um, okay, I know it's mostly a dance film, but the Philadelphia Eagles or is it Pittsburgh? Yes, yeah, I think it's Philadelphia no, it's Eagles. Yeah. yeah, the Eagles are a huge part of this dude's family of Kinnear's family. I'm uh, sorry, Bradley Cooper's family uh, with uh, Robert De Niro and his yeah, mom in the game with his dad fans. Yeah. All that stuff that was so essential to his construct as a human being and the reasons why he was having these issues that he was having. So 
to me, it counts in that win. And playbook is literally in the title. So that seems to me a big football um, part. The football is a big part of this movie. And I like the movie a lot. It still holds up, actually. I watched it, I think, a couple of years ago. Still enjoyed it. Still enjoyed Bradley Cooper. Jennifer Lawrence, this is, to me, the best she's ever been in anything. And I've seen her do other things. And obviously, she's kind of taken a break, it seems like, recently. But, like, she was repeating patterns after Silver Linings Playbook that you really saw in Silver Linings Playbook uh, in other movies. And um, like American Hustle, I think you can see shades of what she's doing in in, in um, Silver Linings Playbook. I just think this is the most, yeah. this is the greatest performance she's ever delivered so far. Uh, overall, a mature, a mature performance, a powerful sure. performance. She's sexy in the film. She takes no prisoners. Mm-hmm. Um and in the end, I'm just a, I just think it's a great performance by both of them, you know. And you're saying, yeah, it's Bradley, an excellent, you know? it's an excellent movie. I just yeah. the, this is to me, it's why it landed at ten. If you're just uh-huh. saying like, what are the, what are the better movies on my list? This is top three. Right, 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 right. Like excellent performances. You're everything you said about Jennifer Lawrence is correct. Like she has more charm and charisma in this mm-hmm. than I think on almost anything else she's done yeah. that I've seen. There are yeah. a few blind spots, but I, I don't hear great things about the movie. Yeah. Not her fault. I just don't hear great things about the movie. Like True. Passengers, I've never seen. Oh, God. Exactly. That's everybody's Ooh. reaction to it. I'm like, I don't. you know what? I have a finite amount of my life. Yeah. I don't need to see everything. I'm fine with skipping this one because I'll see other stuff of theirs. I still like the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Woof. But yeah, just the football. It could have been the Sixers. It could have been the Phillies. Mm. It could have been anybody to me, because um, but they do watch this. So there's the the ritual of watching the game with your dad. Yeah, the obsession. The, fo- the football could have been interchangeable. That's why I landed at ten. I was like, okay. I know football's in it, but it's not really about football. I think yeah. you're right. It is more more of a dancing film on some level. It is. It is. But I know that. But their relationship is predicated on the football. Connection. Correct. Yeah. And not a lot of people are taking their kids to see basketball games or well, I guess I could say baseball games. Yes, definitely. But I don't know if the Phillies engender that kind of dedication the way the Eagles do. You know, I I did uh, I watched that documentary that um, from earlier this year, I think, or late last year, uh, where the guy did a documentary about the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. He just mm-hmm. happened to be profiling the Eagles that year. He had no idea the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl, obviously. He just felt like he wanted to chronicle what it's like to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and it just happened to be the year they won the Super Bowl. So just really interesting. And you see the devotion that people have to these Eagles and the anger that they it brings out in people. I don't know if I'd see yeah. that for the Phillies or for the Sixers. I, I agree. I, so Yeah, yeah I, I think in most towns, the yeah. football team is going to engender – more yeah. of a fervency, but it just depends. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, like, the Yankees. I think the Yankees over the Giants. The one of the or Jets. Towns. Or Oh, yeah. Really? See, but to it, me, they're more... Yeah. They're more Giants fans, but for some reason, it's from afar, it seemed to me always that uh, the true blue-collar New Yorkers love the yeah. Jets. <laughs> really? All right. I don't know if that's true. I don't have the slightest clue. I've never, you know, I don't, I've never been embedded with their fan bases, so I don't know exactly. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it, to me, it always reminded me of North side is Cubs. South side is White Sox. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. So like north side then would be Giants, south side is Jets. Totally. Totally. Uh, but yeah, I still think the Yankees here in LA, Lakers destroy everything else. Oh my God. It's not even a it's not even a conversation. No, it's not even close. Dodgers would be second. Yes. Yes. Dodgers would be second. And then it's somewhere between Kings or Rams, in my opinion. Yeah. And then the Clippers all the way down there. Yes. And the MLS team might have more fervent fans. Oh. <laughs> Both of them. Right. Right. LAFC. They, and LA, they LAFC. might. Yeah. Yeah. They might. And then what is the Mexican league team that plays up here or has a team up here all the time? Oh, I don't remember. Chivas. You mean Chivas? Yeah. Chivas. Chivas. Yeah. Yeah. They used to have, but a do they have a stronger MLS. fan base than Clippers. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> What you feeling, dude? What you feeling with these Clippers? What you feeling? Jazz is going to sweep? I have what do you think? Oh, I mean, look, think of it like this way. Sports talk out there, more in the middle of a sports talk show. <laughs> uh, actually, it, it they can't feel that bad. Yeah, they went toe-to-toe with George, the Jazz. Yeah. yeah, Paul George played like shit. Yeah. Um, Kawhi played okay. I mean, if you like take away he, Paul George's free throws, he had an abysmal game. Um, and they still only lost by three points. Right. And they, they hung tough. They needed a block. Right. Well, I mean, Luke Kennard coming in and giving him a ton of points. Batum was hitting threes. They had a 13 point lead at half. Yeah. It just, your two big guys in the second half didn't come up. And then the jazz remembered, oh yeah, a bunch of us can shoot really well. <laughs> and Donovan Mitchell just went off. So I, yeah. I wouldn't be, you know, you always want to win game one, but if I'm the Clippers, that's not the worst loss in the world. Yes, true. It wasn't Denver and Phoenix last night. Uh, that's it. You know, we were doing the top shot thing, Ellis and I, the other night, and he and we were going back and forth uh, during the show. And he, he's and I said, um, you know, I just mentioned how the Suns, uh, you know, the Nuggets aren't going to win a game off the Suns. And he was like, "Wait, you think it's going to be a sweep?" I'm like, "Yes, I think the Suns are so dialed in. I'd be shocked if the Nuggets take yeah. one game." I don't know about sweep, but if Will Barton isn't starting. In game three, because they've needed guard help and he looks fine. So let's get him off those minutes restrictions. And otherwise, they're, I mean, they just can't. If Aiden is able to hang with Jokic, they have no other advantage right now because Michael Porter Jr. can't shoot. Nope. And uh, I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying he's gone cold for two games. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a reason Um, because the Suns are are hounding him and making sure they've got a better team. Yeah. They do. Jamal Murray going down, Will Barton being out for all this time. Like, you know, they've dealt with some injuries, but Jamal Murray going down is huge. They, yeah. So just to have be, two up top tier guards. Yeah. Just to be here, the Nuggets should be happy. That they got to yeah, 100%. with losing Jamal Murray, just to be here, they should be happy. Uh, and to have closed out the season so strong to maintain, yes. to get this the, uh, that highest seed that you did, you could have easily fallen off a cliff and we all would have said it was fine. Yeah, it's uh, understandable. We all would have yeah. been like, totally understandable. It totally it makes sense. Do you lose a guy that is that pivotal to what you do, the second best player on your team? Yeah. Um, anyway. But I, I, I think um, I think it's going to be Jazz Nuggets. I'm mean, sorry, Jazz Suns. And I think that's going to be my pseudo NBA finals. Because the Nets, fine, but it's not exciting to me. And so I think this these two teams are going to be fun for the Western Conference Finals. Which I assume they're going to make it is my prediction they're going to make it, but the Nets will probably get there. But the Net, I mean, Anna, whatever, man. I just I don't see anything out of the East that I'm excited about. To be honest with you, man, not the Sixers, not the. I mean, the Hawks team. The Hawks will get destroyed if they get against Suns or the or the Jazz. Sorry, they won't make the finals. Yeah, I don't think so either, man. 
of interesting, compelling matchups. The West has more of them right now. Yes. Yeah. They just do. I like both of those series, but specifically the Clippers and Jazz. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of dynamics that that could be, you know, a slugfest for a few games. I mean, if the Clippers make it and it's Chris Paul versus the Clippers in the finals of the Western Conference, that could be very, very interesting for sure. And I favor the Suns at that point. Of course. Please. 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 Well, it just depends on how the if the Clippers manage to do it. If they do it resoundingly against Utah, then we'll both have a different assessment. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, you probably. I just they won see- the next four straight or something. And it's just like, oh, it's a one game difference. They, you know, they had a bad first game. It happens to good teams all the time. Paul George is too inconsistent. That's yeah. the killer for them. He's too inconsistent. Yeah. I agree. Critical moments. I agree. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's been our NBA playoffs talk here in the middle of the show. All right, where are we off to, uh, Matt? What's our next thing? Uh, you're three. Uh, so yeah. my number three is yeah. uh, necessary roughness. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I can't say no. And I, I put it 10, but I absolutely applaud you putting it at three. It's, Please go ahead, it's a, man. It's a great move. It knows exactly what it is. Hell yes. Right? It it's, not, it's not trying to win any awards. Nope. It's not trying to change the world. It just wants you to forget about your cares for 90 minutes and enjoy yep. a lighthearted film by a bunch of uh, actors that are all charming in their own regard. And yes. uh, Kathy Ireland is excellent. <laughs> yes, she is. Yes. Name me another acting job that she was in. And this is the only one I can think of. And she's I really think, good in it. I think Lethal of, Loaded Weapon. Ahead. I think that was the only other one that she did. I think Loaded I Weapon. I don't even remember her in it, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that movie in so long, though. <laughs> Um, I keep waiting to get asked about that movie, but it hasn't come up yet. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Scott Bakula, Sinbad, Robert Loggia, ah, yeah. Hector Elizondo, um, I, I, just a, a weird Larry Miller. Of Larry Miller, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Forgot about Larry Miller for a half a second. He's <laughs> so great good. in it. He's so good. It just got a bunch of actors that you you love. Yeah, yeah. On some level, and it's nice to see them all come together and make a. Basically, a the budget of a B sports film that is as effective as any A budgeted sports film. Yeah. yeah, with a bunch of of individuals that I have liked through numerous movies and TV shows. Why not spend ninety minutes seeing these unlikely group of? If you like the replacements, this is a much better movie. Yeah, this is a much better movie. That's why much better movie. I don't get why people like the replacements. I've watched the movie. It's about the skins, and I still don't like that movie. It is boring. It's so it's, cheesy, man. I'm just like, yeah, it's uh, fine. Yeah, it just doesn't do anything for me. Um, the madness of this movie, too, is like they play to train <laughs> in the season. They play this team of convicts uh-huh. uh, in the movie. Here's the list of convicts that they play. Dick Buckus, Earl Camber, Roger Craig, Ben Davids, and Tony Dorsett. Evander Holyfield had never played football. Ed Tuton Jones, Jim Kelly, Jerry Rice, Herschel Walker, and Randy White. That is a murderer's row of yes. legends in the NFL. And they put them up against what are supposed to be these college kids. In this, in this Scott game. Bakula <laughs> and Sinbad and the, yeah. I'm assuming, Samoan actor. Yes, yes. Uh, Who's in this? Yeah. Yeah. Guess, uh, uh, Michael Undersized, Dole. crazy white guy, slot receiver. Yeah, yeah, just it's it's just a thing of beauty. It is perfectly cast. It's not trying to change the world, but if you just want to enjoy yourself with a 
you know, lighthearted comedy. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It is. And I love this movie, man. It's so, it's so eminently quotable. You know, the whole joke about the referee doing all the martial arts guy doing all the things he does. And he goes, ah, forget it. Oh, you know, personal file, 15 yards. Rob Schneider is hilarious. Fumbolino, Fumbarama. Yeah, exactly. As the announcer, I wanted yeah. to bring him up earlier. Brilliant. Um, and Larry Miller. I mean, Larry, th- th- I had a pocket of time where I was the massive Larry Miller fan. I loved his delivery, loved his stand up, loved him whenever he showed up in anything. He's a great villain um in this movie as well and then you get jason bateman before the second coming of jason bateman right there's jason bateman as a child actor who a lot of us watched on the hogan family silver spoons whatever and then he kind of got lost for a little while doing these weird little movies and popping up in small spots like this and then he becomes jason bateman again as he gets older so it's really funny to see him at this stage of his kind of comeback into prominence in 1991 uh because it's kind of a you know he's a he's a receiver who always drops the ball because the ball becomes too big in his mind and you got his storyline that you got to follow uh throughout this whole thing as well and you're right kathy ireland is great coming in um as the kicker and uh you know it's so funny because we just had that happen i think for vanderbilt where they brought in a female kicker to kick a field goal or something like that during a college game so yeah you might be right i know it i remember reading the story Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but anyway yeah and uh, i mean Lozier's fucking Lozier, man Lozier's just so good straight come on come on this is this is the perfect like robert Lozier casting oh yeah perfect. and he's not even the head coach nope it's hector elizondo that's what makes it even it's like uh, oh man you got you know you got robert Lozier for this this is awesome yeah He's great. And Hector's great. He's like the kind of like calm coach, making sure putting all together. Like his scenes with him and Bacula are actually kind of sweet. They're actually yeah. kind of sweet have, scenes for yeah, sure. Yeah, they have a good rapport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, the um, the stuff with Harley Jane Kozak, who plays uh, the love interest for Scott Bacula. She's, uh, you know, you've seen her in Arachnophobia and Parenthood. She's Rick Moranis' mm. wife in Parenthood. Yeah. It's great to see her uh, getting some fun in this thing as well. So it's a damn good movie that people need to give a little more love to or talk about more when they talk about these films. It gets forgotten um, when they talk about these. Uh, it was the last film this guy did, too, Stan Dragoti. It was the last film he did was this wow. film. He had done The Man with One Red Shoe and Mr. Mom and Love at First Bite, one of my favorite films. from Love at First Bite, the Jim Carrey? No, no. Love at First Bite is the George Hamilton one where he's Dracula in the 1970s. Oh, wow. oh yeah. That is one of my favorites. Oh, no. Uh, Jim Carrey's was first bitten. Yeah. Or once bitten, I think. Once bitten. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. What are we off to next, my man? Oh, my three, right? So Correct. my three is Jerry Maguire. Okay. Yeah. Is that your time to film? Not your film? All right. It's not on my list. Got it. Yeah, I love this movie. Still love this movie. Cameron Crowe has never come close to being as good as he was in this movie. I know people love Almost Famous. I get it. I get it. But for me, Jerry Maguire is his, the peak of Cameron Crowe. Absolutely love this film. Tom Cruise is great in this. Cuba Gooding Jr. won an Oscar off this movie. Uh, it is the yes. introduction of Renee Zellweger. And there's some great philosophy when you're watching this movie that you that I think is really essential in life. I like the twists and turns. The kid is so cute. Um, and everything that happens here with the character. And, of course, football is such an integral part because Rod Tidwell, the uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. character, 
uh, is uh, playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Glenn Fry is the coach of the Arizona Cardinals in this whole sequence. And, of course, Virginia King playing his wife as well. Don't want to leave her out. Uh, but so much about the film is still charming to me, still works for me. Uh, and uh, I love the football aspect of it all and the pressures and trying to you know, break out from doing the mattress stuff to actually doing bigger things, the aspiration of a wide receiver who's a bit of a diva, wanting to yeah. actually uh, become a great uh, uh, name in the sport and make his money and, and the fight he has. And he goes with Jerry because he just has this feeling that Jerry Maguire is going to make it uh, uh, and make it happen for him. Uh, and I like that. You know, so, so much of the film still works for me, still moves me, still touches me. So yeah, that's what I can tell you. Show me the just, money. I loved it at the time, and I, I just no. don't anymore. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Let's move on. What you two? My two. So I, kind of going back and forth. I, I think I'm going to settle on uh, Remember okay. the Titans at two. Oh, that's my one. So there we go. So, yeah, they were going back and forth between mm-hmm. what your number two is. Okay. Is my assumption. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about a movie with cliches? <laughs> yeah, man. But outside of a few, and it's me nitpicking, it does them. It's the quintessential. Oh yeah, it's it's got gut punch after gut punch, mm-hmm. and as much as you'd want to laugh at the the team bonding and how they're going to heal the racial tensions of this town, yeah, through the friendships and whatnot, and yet it still seems kind of real, especially when that kid gets into the accident and the other yeah. linebacker has to go to the hospital. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Um. There's an emotional impact there that you can genuinely feel. Uh, but your young, great uh, actors coupled with uh, Denzel and the one dude who was in, what, The Postman and Armageddon, I believe. And uh, he plays his assistant coach. who was the former head coach that gets supplanted by right. Denzel. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I don't know. It hits all the beats so successfully that... What kills me is like when the strings come up on the music in it. Yeah. Because they're just going for even more of like they're trying to punch with both barrels type of thing. Be like, yeah. you're already good at this. You don't need to, to dunk it on me every time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's, but that's nitpicking in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I, this film works for me on so many levels, Matt, because A, because it's a Virginia story. And I grew up in Virginia. I remember this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I love Denzel in this movie. I think uh, him and Will Pat. Will Patton is one of those actors. It's like an Armageddon. He's just one of those okay, actors. Okay, that's who it was. All right. Yeah, yeah. He's just one of those actors that, for me, I always have a soft spot for, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. There's just some, I remember he was so creepy in No Way Out with Costner and Hackman. Um, he always delivers. And this relationship between him and uh, Denzel Washington, I think, is really powerful, too, because both of them, are very adamant about how they think this should go. And they actually have him, you know, having a little more, a little bit of credibility in his side and Denzel credibility in his side. They could have easily made it where the white guy's just dumb and the black guy's always kind of the, having the right thing to say at the right moment and, yeah. you know, kind of steering this. But they made it that both of these guys have their opinions, very strong opinions about it. And both of them have to learn to find a way to find the middle and connect and, and get along with each other. And cause Denzel can be a bit of a dick in the movie. 
<clears throat> but of course, he's burdened with this responsibility of bringing this team together at a time when there was still, you know, uh, well, not still, but there always will be. But at the time where there was uh, so much racism about in- in integrating uh, these uh, these teams at the time. And I think the cast is fantastic in terms of the players, uh, the you said the emotional beats, um, the uh, the football is great to watch, and the things that he's trying to teach them step by step. Are there cheesy moments? Yes, Ryan Gosling playing the Hank Williams Jr. shit, the the guys doing the dance, um, all of that is really weird and kind of. But there are also some tough. There are some sorry, some sweet moments like mm-hmm. when the the Ethan Supley, I think, when he hugs. Uh, Denzel after he's qualified to go to college and uh you know when they when they're when the quarterback goes down they have to bring in sunshine he does a really nice job with that what that interaction is like and then of course them dealing with some of the racism and of course uh the linebacker when he becomes friends with um oh god what's the actor's name he's in the wire and he's in creed i forget his name i yeah i know you're talking about he was in uh, dread yes yes um he was in I just saw him. I, know, in I just saw him in Ant Man as well. Oh, my bad. But like they they come together, uh, and what he has to deal with when Kate Bosworth and her racist friends don't want to hang out with him because he's becoming friends with some of the black players. So I, I just think there's so much in this movie that is important that overrides any of the cheesy moments. That I think it's it's a damn good movie with a good ending too. Damn good end. You hear like what happened to everybody afterwards, which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it did. It was battling for one. Yeah, totally fair, dude. It's like a 1A, 1B. I don't know that there's... That's the weird thing about football. I don't have a clear number one. Mm-hmm. I think there's a bunch of good. I think there's very little great within football right now. Yeah, that's fair. Baseball, it's like there's a bunch of great. Um, yeah. Even though I, I infinitely prefer football as a sport, but mm-hmm. movie-wise, and don't even get me started on basketball. <laughs> There's really not. There's not that much. Yeah. There's a lot of God awful. Celtic pride. I'm looking at you. Oof. (laughs) Woof, man. Yeah. There's a bunch of those. Yeah. Uh, But anyway. Yeah. So that was my two. What's your two? Uh, My two is uh, hopefully your one. The longest yard. The Burt Reynolds one. No, you don't have. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. So my two is the longest yard. Burt Reynolds, the 1970s original. That one is just, yeah, Wood Harris. That was the guy's name in, in, uh, Room of the Titans. So yeah, this one is, uh, well, I'm just go. going to talk about it. It's, if you don't have it on your list, I'll just say, go ahead. Yeah. Fantastic film. Burt Reynolds, uh, Eddie Albert as the villainous, uh, Dean or sorry, Warden. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got, uh, he's in prison, uh, and he's, uh, got to like bring these, uh, convicts together to play the guards. And they're trying to fix the match a little bit. The warden is trying to fix the match, and he's got to go against the warden and all the things that's happening. They they kill one of his uh, assistant coaches uh, to try to stop them from trying to uh, uh, get ready to win the game and all of that. And it's just one of the most funniest sequences when he's constantly throwing the ball into the dude's balls. Um, so all of that here, and just just it's just a fucking great seventies movie. And it's one of the most badass movies that Burt Reynolds was ever a part of. And, of course, he used to play football at Florida State, who's a star at Florida State. So seeing him using that was great. Um, And a fantastic ending and kind of a scary ending because uh, the warden gets so mad that he tries to to claim that when Burt Reynolds is going to give the game ball to somebody in the stands that he's trying to escape. And so he tries to get one of his guards to shoot him. 
uh, and pulls out the rifle. And then in the end, the guy doesn't shoot him. He says, he's just giving him the gay ball. And so, uh, so much of the film is just a really interesting treatise on prison culture, but then also about what it's like to be the little guy going up against the system when the system is trying to rig the game against you. And he's putting this team together and training them to go uh, take on the guards, man. It's a fantastic film. One of my favorite. And that, that fucking Sandler remake can kiss my ass, man. That's a joke of a remake. And they've remade this movie for soccer. They've remade this movie for basketball. So I've seen all the different uh, versions of Longest Yard. Mean Machine was the one with, with uh, Vinnie Jones, where he plays essentially the Burt Reynolds character. Okay. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I think Victory had a, a piece of it too with the, the uh, prison, you know, POW camp of World War II. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's got some shades of it. So, yeah, that's my number two, man. Surprise is not on your list, but all right. I don't, I didn't grow up with Burt Reynolds. Hmm. So for him to be the cultural figure that he was doesn't really make sense to me. Gotcha. Yeah. You grew so up with I've the really, latter Burt Reynolds, right? The the kind of, or was he not even? I, mean, I knew who he was. And gotcha. like, uh, you know, being married to Lonnie Anderson was the most known thing for me when That's I was true. a kid. Because uh, he was a dude that used to do movies. Right, I didn't right, really see right. much of it. And then it was by the time he was popping up in more stuff, it wasn't until like Boogie Nights until he was much right. older to where he sucked me in and I'm watching more of his stuff. I've never really had the fascination with Burt Reynolds, so I don't have right. the connection to that movie. And Nick Nolte's like North Dallas 40. I've never seen it because I'm not much of a Nick Nolte guy. Yeah, it's okay. It's a rough film. Okay. I've never seen it. Like, I like him when I like him, but I don't yeah. search out Nick Nolte films. That's understandable. Yeah. I'd rather watch Gene Hackman. <laughs> if you get him back and watch 70 stuff, you're going to watch Jack. Well, just for that type of care, not saying they're the same, but they do play like oh, blustery yeah. guys that their their top can blow. Right. Um, it's like, well, I'll take Gene Hackman for that. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So, uh, my, what's your my one? one yeah. is uh, Any Given Sunday. Oh, fuck no, man. Go ahead. Knock yourself Dude, out. It's, it's a crap film. You're insane. It is so right. awful. It's pretty fantastic. You're, you're an insane person. But all right. It's, honestly, it is. It, it's. I mean, <sighs> I like the fact that he's trying to explore all these different fascinating like aspects of it with with Willie Beeman going off and shooting like a music video and the fight that the team has. Because my guess is he heard whoever wrote this heard like a bunch of these stories that were seeking them out and kind of yeah. cobbled together and made it one long season for all of them. You know, uh, the Dennis Quaid washed up, but he's taking, he's coming back like from injury and could hurt himself long-term and the the peril that he feels within that, that's kind of real and palpable. And there are quarterbacks and other players that have gone through that. They don't delve as far into it because Oliver Stone apparently needs to be on Ritalin in his later life. Yeah. Cause the story flashes over to this over here, over here, but like the, the Al Pacino speech, the yeah. one inch. Yes. Is pretty excellent. Oh, it's the only good part of the movie. It's the only good part of the movie is that speech, that four minute speech. I undoubtedly agree with you on that. I have that saved as a motivational thing for me when I'm getting ready for a Shmoda match or I'm working out. It's such a great fucking speech. So good. And, I like some of the other choices. I think he used them too much from Stone, but during certain football sequences, when he would uh, 
through various opacity flash in other images of older players and plays and mm-hmm. like lun- thunder and lightning going off and wanted to set this kind of primal and also nostalgic why fans would carry in so much yeah. uh, intensity to, to it it a taps into you know our former club wielding selves mm-hmm. yeah yeah and b it's something generationally now we've handed down Mm-hmm. In certain areas for 50, 60, 70 years. Yep. Yep. Uh, so it's kind of baked into the DNA of these individuals. And it was like, you know, that is an interesting representation of it. He made a lot of choices that you don't see in a sports movie. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. Titans is every cliche to success. This right. is, I want to explore all the underbelly. It's like the Jimmy Woods, bad team doctor. And then is Matthew Modine kind of scummy for taking his job, even though he was being trying to be a good guy. But to, to me, this is uh, sorry, my phone ringing there. But to me, this is this is someone who doesn't understand football trying to talk about football. This is what this film okay. feels like. I can it, understand that. Yeah, I mean that's that's my only problem with it. It's 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 like somebody who hates it trying to destroy it, but not understand why it has the connection that it does. Yeah, you gave Pacino a great speech, but you could give anybody a speech. It could be a CEO who would give a speech like mm-hmm. that. But there's something okay. about this. There's something about the way. I mean, the designs of the uniforms are horrible. The names of the teams are terrible. Cameron Diaz is terribly miscast. Did you feel that way about the XFL? No, I thought the XFL had some good names. Fuck, I love that. I, I don't think well, I've yeah, ever but seen the USFL I would say too. The preponderance of them mm-hmm. seem cheesy. Okay, there uh, were a few. But I, I think overall, for me, it just just it, it it was like a film about hating football than it is a film about understanding football and exploring the um, what do you call it, the shortcomings of football in the NFL and what it can demand of you. Because certainly, you're right. He presents the stuff about like an older quarterback with a young quarterback coming, and certainly as we're dealing with the Joe Aaron Rodgers situation right now in Green Bay, that mm-hmm. has shades of it. You know, having the black quarterback come in, being the running quarterback. His interactions with trying to lead a young, uh, lead a team when he's a young quarterback, what he goes through, Pacino's life lessons that he's dropping, the dealing with the owners, dealing with this. We see it, but I think Draft Day is a better movie that kind of explores that a little bit um, and and what have you. So I just I just think Oliver Stone hated football and did okay. a film about hating football, and so that's why I can't respect it. But you're right that Pacino's speech is fucking excellent. That's what well, that's not much of a saving grace. I already knew what you like this. You just said, this thing was dog shit to me. It but was. The one thing, this part of the turd didn't smell. And At least I gave you something. You gave me nothing on Jerry Maguire. At least I gave you something on any given Sunday. Fuck's sake. Yeah, I just, uh, Jerry Maguire, it used to be really good, and now I just can't sit through that. Okay. It's too maudlin for me at this point. Okay. It is. I just, I don't care for it. I love... Cuba Gooding and in Tom's interaction, it's the love story. It just basically seems like two Eeyores eventually find love and end up happy, but they're Eeyores together for the entire fucking movie until the last three minutes. Wait, she's not an Eeyore. She's actually a positive person. He's she's pretty Eeyore ish. He is much more of an Eeyore, but Her they're both Eeyores. Is Her the sister. Eeyore. That's ah, the see, see, she's the, the calm Bonnie in the Hunt? middle of the storm. Bonnie Hunt. Bunny Hunt is great. I, she's my, when yeah. it comes to the dynamic of all of them, she's my favorite part. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
All right. Well, there's our separate lists for the top 10 American football movies. And we say American football because we know there we have international fans who see football as soccer, as we see soccer in America as soccer. So we wanted to say that top 10 American football. Now let's put this thing together. Matt, again, I don't have the bongos. Uh, Jake Goldeneyes, I will be reaching out to you, my man. Don't sweat it. In fact, maybe while we're putting this list together, I'll bring up the link and send it to him of what the bongos that I want. So or we want rather. Um, all right, man. Uh, let's put it together. What do we do here? Um, Titans has got to be number one. Yeah, I imagine so. And we have like necessary roughness at 310. Friday Night Lights at four what? Uh, four seven. Four seven. We have Invincible and Common. That's at the bottom. Concussion is four seven? Five for me. Five, five, seven. Hmm. Okay. Do you want to just, what's your, you want to, so your number one is what again? Oh, yeah, any given Sunday, right? Any given. And yours is longest yard. Yeah. I would yeah. imagine more people would agree with you on longest yard. So we can do longest two. Okay. And then, and then given, Okay. And then I would say necessary roughness. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I um, only put it down there because. I know people don't think it's that great of a movie, but I, I, I think they're wrong. Yeah, I think they're wrong. But, uh, I, should, I should have moved it I, up. I should have honored myself. Yeah. My bad. Any given Sunday, I knew it was going to get that, but I was like, I don't, you know what? It also it deglamorizes and shows the real world of something that is only glitz and glam. Mm. Uh, okay. To be more successful anyway, neither here nor there. There's no <laughs> editorializing now. So necessary roughness at four. Yeah. So we have. Friday Night Lights, Concussion, Invincible, Silver Linings Playbook. Where do you yeah. have that? Silver Linings Playbook is four for me. So that's 410. All right. Yeah. So we can do silver. Okay. So the Friday Night Concussion. Okay. And Invincible. All right. Uh, and I believe that's everything we have in common. I got my five. I got my three, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, it is. Okay. All right. My, I know my five's taken, so you can take it. What's your five? Put it down there. Uh, we are Marshall. Okay. Where are we at? All right, there we go. Oh, oh is it? Oh, is that 10? All right. There that's it is. 10. All right, let's do this thing. The top 10 American football movies. Yeah. At number 10, we are Marshall. At number nine, Jerry Maguire. At number eight, Invincible. At number seven, Concussion. At number six, Friday Night Lights. At number five, Silver Linings Playbook. At number four, Necessary Roughness. At number three, any given Sunday. At number two, The Longest Yard. And our number one American football movie is Remember the Titans. There you go. The mighty, yeah. mighty Titans. Um, all right. There's our uh, list, matter for the top 10 American football movies. Thanks to everybody who uh, uh, listened or watched uh, the show this week. We appreciate yeah. it, Manly. Thanks to all of our $10 patrons who are joining us live. Mason Sasser in love with the movies. Dan Nye, that pretty little son of a bitch. Uh, Paul Cree. Paul Cree's in here from the UK. Shout out. 
Uh, and who else? Josh Sachs was in here as well, hanging out with us. And I think that's all the names. Drew Enns was in here as well. Uh, James Patty. Uh, so thank you to all you guys who joined us live for the show today. It's one of the perks. If you're a $10 above page, you get to come in live, hang out with us, and, and watch the show ahead of time. Yeah, on every second and fourth Thursday of the month. So we'll see you guys again in two weeks. And thanks for joining us today. Um, follow the show at Top 10 Show or go to uh, it's Instagram.com forward slash the Top 10 Podcast with the number 10. The same thing on YouTube, the Top 10 Podcast with the number 10. And uh, hit us up over there. And if you want to watch this in the future, go to Patreon.com forward slash the Top 10 with the number 10. Hit us up. We'd love to have you in the chat interacting with us as we do this. And uh, that is it for me this week. You can follow me at Matt Nost. Uh, please check out Settle the Score or uh, Dropping Dimes. And over to you. There you go. You can find me at the Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't forget the Geek Buddies is up there as a podcast. So is the Cinephiles. So we appreciate all the love you give in there. Thank you very much. And please head on over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says. See all the content we're doing there. A lot more entertainment content happening on that channel. We've moved the politics show off. It'll be just pretty much entertainment stuff, some pro wrestling stuff, some sports stuff, but pretty much entertainment-based. So if you give it a second chance, give it a second look and see if you want to subscribe. Uh, All right, that's it from us. Y'all take care of yourselves. Uh, Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand-new episode of the Top Ten.